man, but how did we get our Bible here? How did we get the word of God? But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So if you would, if you have your, your sheet here, I'm just going to run through this. As we move through this key of interpretation, we're going to be looking at all kinds of keys uh, concerning Bible prophecy. We'll, we're going to uh, uh, I want to linger in interpretation for a little while. I want to make sure we've got it down before we move forward. Um, so we will compare several different modes, methods, slash systems of interpretation. So as we move through this key of interpretation, we will compare several different modes, methods, systems of interpretation. It is not possible, even for me, it is not possible to be overly thorough. <laughs> but we will try to give an overview as they apply to eschatology or the study of last things, the study of prophecy. So today we're really covering one, one, one mode, one method, one system here. Do we interpret the Bible allegorically or literally? Okay. So the blank line there is literally. Now let's go to uh, John chapter 8 first and look at a couple figures that God gives us. Okay. Before anybody gets nervous, I'm going to show you a few things. Say, so you always interpret the Bible literally, except when God gives us a figure. But you never interpret it allegorically any way you feel like. So let's look at it here. Do we, do we interpret the Bible allegorically or literally? So let's look at John chapter 8, verse 12. One of the great I am's that Jesus gives. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Did Jesus turn into a giant light bulb as soon as he said that? Huh? Lighthouse, all of a sudden he just stood there and all of a sudden, no. He's giving a figure. He said, just like a light shines, I'm here to shine in the darkness of this world. Okay, uh, let's go to another one there. We go to John chapter 10, verse 9. <clears throat> John chapter 10, verse 9. <clears throat> What does he say here? He says, I am the what? Door. By any man, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. So again, Jesus did not become a giant piece of wood when he said that. He was giving the illustration and he's about to, he's talking about sheep in this whole chapter. He's saying, just like that door to the sheepfold swings, I am the very door of heaven. If any man enters in by me, if anybody believes on me, if anybody trusts me, he'll be saved. And he'll go in and out and find pasture, just like these sheep that are coming in this door. John chapter 15. Another one of the I am's. <clears throat> are we there? Say amen. Jesus says here, I am the true vine. Again, never had to deal with vines before. Oh my goodness, I was chainsawing not long ago, Brother Anderson. Vines everywhere. He says, I'm the true vine. He says, in, in essence, I, I'm the trunk of the tree and you're the branches. Did he all of a sudden become a tree trunk? And No. 
He's giving us a figure. He said, just like, just like the trunk of that tree provides all the nourishment for the branches, I provide all your nourishment, for without me, he can do nothing. So, the allegorical, number one here, the allegorical or literal interpreting of prophecy is important. It's important. Whether we literally or allegorically interpret prophecy. While there is frequent figurative language used in the Bible, like the ones we just gave, correct? While there is frequent figurative language used in the Bible, including prophetic books like Ezekiel and Revelation, one of the worst mistakes I ever made in my life was the very first book that I read after I got saved was Revelation. Miss Kim's laughing at me right now, amen? I mean... Seven heads and ten horns and crowns and dragons and and I didn't even know you know listen I didn't know uh, Habakkuk from holiness amen I knew nothing I just got saved lots of figurative stuff you, you just try listen you, when when somebody gets saved you recommend John and Romans you don't recommend Ezekiel and Revelation amen. <laughs> Why? Because John and Romans deal with salvation. They deal with the deity of Christ, those important issues that a new believer needs to uh, be instructed in. So there's frequently figurative language used in the Bible, including prophetic books like Ezekiel and Revelation. It is generally accepted in orthodox biblical hermeneutics. That's Bible interpretation. That's all. Whenever you hear the word hermeneutics, that's what it means, Bible interpretation. To use the grammatical historical method. You say, what on earth is that, Pastor? What, what's the differences between the allegorical method and the literal method? Okay, we'll give the allegorical one first. A, allegorical interpretation. That is really, in essence, a private interpretation. The allegorical method teaches that is that the truth being taught in the text is something other than its literal and historical meaning. And I always think of, has anybody here ever seen Fiddler on the Roof? Okay, a few of you have. Oh, you know, if I were a rich man. There's, there's a time where this, this young communist is, comes to town and he is teaching uh, the, the, uh, the main character's daughters a lesson. And he's teaching them about Jacob and Laban. And Brother Boston, he finishes the lesson and he says, and the lesson is, never trust an employer. <laughs> now, and, and one of the older daughters is listening as she's teaching the younger daughters, and I can't remember exactly what she says with Robin. She said, I don't think the rabbi would agree with your interpretation of that text. And he said, well, that's it if you interpret it correctly. Listen, the allegorical message, all you know what it is? The Bible's just an empty bottle. You can fill it up with whatever opinions you want. That's not the way we interpret this book. That's the allegorical method. So this dangerously permits the reader great latitude to privately interpret the meaning as they see fit. I just finished a book on the Marxification of Education. If anybody's interested in reading that book, you let me know. I've got it in my office. It was uh, uh, enlightening in a terrible way 
as to what's going on. But uh, one of the things that, that uh, Marxists do in regards of education is they have, they, they have their own Easter. And that is a, a quote-unquote born-again Marxist experience. They make Easter something that it's not. You know what Easter is? The hope of the Christian. That's what it is. That's what the Bible teaches that it is. So allegorical interpretation. And what we say to allegorical interpretation is take the broom, sweep it up, put it in the trash can, and all God's people said. Then there's the literal interpretation. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 20. The literal interpretation. And here is a prophecy that Jesus gives to his disciples. Literal interpretation. Matthew chapter 20. <clears throat> Look at verse 17. It says, And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and they shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, to scourge, and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. It's prophecy. Do we interpret, it, do we interpret that allegorically? Well, it could mean many things. Or do we interpret it literally? Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem, be crucified, third day rise from the dead, and all God's people said. By the way, thank God we interpret that literally. Amen? It's a mess. If it's not, it's whatever you want it to be. So, literal interpretation, that's the grammatical historical method, also known as the literal method there. So when using the grammatical historical or literal method, when figurative language is used, it always shows an understandable truth, like we just explained. Christ said, I'm like a light. I am like a door. I am like a vine. But here, and this is a great quote of Bible study, Bible hermeneutics, a great quote. This, this quote right here will anchor you in your Bible study. And it is simply as by old David Cooper. He said, when the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. Amen. Therefore, take every word at its primary, ordinary, usual, literal meaning, unless the facts of the immediate context studied in light of related passage and axiomatic fundamental truths indicate otherwise. A good example of that, um, of one that would not fall into that, would be when Jesus said, If any man hate not father and mother, he, hath, he hath, cannot be my disciple. Do you think that God wants you to hate your parents? No, he is giving a figurative illustration that our love for God ought to be way up here. Even though our love for our parents and our love for our family is supreme in our life, our love for God ought to be even more And all God's people said. So three, and again, I, I promise you, I, I could spend... I could spend class after class after class on just some of these one points, amen, but we've got to get through this material. Three, three things as far as Bible interpretation or the literal interpretation. Seek the plain, literal meaning of the text. Seek, st start there. Start with the plain, literal meaning of the text. Secondly, seek the figurative meaning only when the text demands it. Okay? Only, like we said, God, does God want us to hate our parents? No, he told us to, to love and to honor them. So, therefore, I have to look at this text again. 
He might be giving me a figurative meaning. He might be giving me a comparative. So, A, seek the plain literal meaning of the text. B, seek the figurative meaning only when the text demands. And boy, this one is so important. C, seek to study each text in its context. Somebody said when you pull a text out of its context, it becomes a pretext. And that's again how cults get started. This is why, as your pastor, I always encourage you to read the verses around the verse. Read the verse. You see that word therefore or wherefore. It's telling you, look back at the context. I'm, tr I'm trying to get at something with you here. And so, again, literal or allegorical, the answer to that is literal. Amen. We don't, we don't choose the allegorical method. Many do, and it's a mess, and the Bible becomes whatever you want it to be. Uh, prophecy becomes whatever you want it to be. So no thank you to the allegorical method. Okay, we've got about 10 minutes here, so let's go to prayer if we could. I need four volunteers for our missions list here. So uh, group number one, Miss Peggy, thank you. Uh, group number two, Miss Ruth Marie, thank you. And group number three, uh, Miss Barb, thank you. And then group number four, Miss Marilyn, thank you so much. Uh, and let's pray for these requests that have been given. Let's pray for our leaders. I know our country's in a mess. I didn't even mention today that we're currently without a Speaker of the House. Uh, we, we need to pray about that. Amen. And uh, just that God will work uh, in hearts, obviously, upcoming elections, all that. Pray one for another. Many in our church need our prayers so let's pray amen let's spend some time in prayer one for another
Father, we thank you for another Wednesday night that we can come out, Lord, we can <clears throat> come apart from the world and, Lord, uh, get under the preaching and study of the Word of God. and But, Lord, most of all, to come and to bring our requests to you to know that you care for us and you you command us to to bring our requests you you tell us to to cast all our care upon you for you care for us and lord i ask that you would please be with each request that's been given tonight i think of those heavy heavy requests i think of the Howland family tonight <clears throat> and uh, Lord what Chris and Brian have gone through just in these months since brother Hugh passed and now now mama has passed and Lord we we rejoice that they're reunited through faith in you and but Lord there are broken-hearted children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren, friends, and so please bless them. I think of Miss Bonnie Dykstra tonight, and Lord, Miss Bonnie has been through so much, and she always has a smile on her face. She's always joyful. What a great testimony of a joyful Christian, but Lord, please, we pray that you would help her and give grace in these health issues that she has. Lord, I think of Pat Dufresne, who's been in the hospital for months now and still in ICU, and uh, Lord, he's got a seven-year-old little girl and all this reconstructive surgery on his ribs and spine, and please be with him. Be with Tatum as she's in the ER, Lord. Uh, I pray that you give the doctors wisdom as to what what she's experiencing. We think of Miss Desiree and with all the, the babies in tow and Lord, as they get ready to travel and we just ask that you would give them safety. I pray that you'd keep the fools away from their vehicle and Lord, give Miss Desiree just a, an alertness and a carefulness. And Lord, we think of all the unspoken requests. We pray that you please bless them and we think of Brother Jason Weiss with the fracture in his arm, and Lord, he's the, the head of his house and the provider, and just ask that you be with him. Lord, I think, Lord, most of all, of, of Bryce's sister's mother-in-law, who does not have long and yet is unsaved, and those around her do not think salvation is a priority. And Lord, I just ask that you would please send somebody in the power of the Holy Ghost. Send somebody with tears and break down the walls. Just as you did at Jericho all those years ago, break down every wall that the devil throws up. And I pray that she would be saved. I pray that she would receive you as her personal Savior. Where I think of the Hauser's great-granddaughter, Raven, and she recovers from that burn. And 
Jenna Isaac, as she had the MRI today, just a young lady with in cardiac arrest, and just please be with each of these requests. We know there, there's more. Lord, I pray for Mountain View Baptist Church tonight, and we just ask that you'd steady those people. No, thank you so much for all that you give. Bless now. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. How about page 75, Miss Robin? <clears throat> Brother Petty told us on Sunday, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, right? That's Philippians 4.4. 4. This song was written by a man who got ocular cancer, had to have his eye taken out. And he had to wear a patch. And he became Patch the Pirate. And we have the CDs back there on our table, Ron Hamilton. And you know what? He wrote this song about that experience. Rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistakes. Amen. Let's all stand. Page number 75. Make sure you do it right in the Deacon Fund tonight. Rejoice in the Lord. Page number 75, verse number 1. Sing it on that first now. Here we go. God never moves with a purpose or plan when trying his servant and molding a man. Give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long. In darkness he giveth us song. Rejoice in the Lord, he makes no mistake, he knoweth the end of the path that I take, for when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth. The Lord loves you, I love you, till we meet again, all God's people said, do it right in the offering tonight.